Welcome in, everybody, to Big 12 Football and Beyond. It is Thursday, March 26. We uh, don't mention this enough. I don't mention this enough at uh, the top, but we hope everyone is safe and taking care of themselves and their families. We know it's a very difficult time, and we're here to look, try to do our job and try to um, try to help maybe uh, give some thought away from the stresses of the real world into football. People have asked me, you know, how things are going on your end. Hey, for me, they're – look, I'm not going to say they're fine because I worry about everything that's going on in the world and the effect that it has on a lot of people and people losing jobs and the income being bad and probably most importantly people getting sick and dying and wondering exactly where this is headed. So um, – but it certainly has affected me less than most people in that, you know, my work is continuing to grind towards the NFL draft and um, and working NFL free agency. And beyond that, it's getting ready for another series of evaluating process and getting ready for a football season that I hope we have and evaluating um, – you know, players that always do. But the unknown is is always um, stressful. So we wish everyone the best, and we hope that in maybe some little, small way um, this can be a respite, a relief from that. So this is Big 12 Football and Beyond, as we always do, talk about a little bit big picture stuff. It is, is there is any big picture stuff lately, it's been – Mostly just the standard in college football, talking about draft prospects. We're going to do that again today. We're going to break down Ross Blaylock and Kenneth Murray for you inside the film room in a detailed draft room style scouting report. But uh, we normally talk about certain things that are happening around the, the nation at the top. Not, again, other than recruiting and getting ready for the draft. It's not been – in keeping everybody updated on a big picture stage of where we are on a potential season and the ramifications of uh, the whole health issue crisis that we have. And there's really no movement, no advancement of the story on that end. So we'll get to a bunch of stuff today. But a reminder of a couple of things. We've got um, a special going on at LandryFootball.com our scouting season offer that we're really proud of because it gives, uh, particularly in this tough time where everybody's you know a little bit concerned money-wise, a great discount offer to give folks an opportunity to get involved in what we do at Landry Football where we take folks inside the film room, give them a different viewpoint of the game of football, college football, NFL, you name it. We got it covered for you. And uh, right now we're breaking out the, this week um, off the heels of breaking down free agency, uh, team by team, position by position, um, free agent boards, um, scouting reports, now we're doing the same with the draft. And we've got all the offense up on LandryFootball.com. Yes, the quarterbacks, the receivers, and the running backs, and the, the linemen, and the tight ends. We got them there for you. We kind of tweaked it a little bit. Putting all the offensive linemen, because a lot of people have requested this, you know, to kind of compare how you would stack guys according to grade. Um overall and on the position board all the offensive linemen so we have all the offensive linemen we designate whether guys a left tackle or right tackle a guard a center and we have all that for you so and these draft boards are unique they're different because it gives you um how a real nfl nfl draft board looks it's not like these top 10 top 20 top 32 top 50 lists which absolutely are meaningless this gives you a look at how players are graded in categories in tiers 
Who are the soup guys with superstar ability? Who are the immediate starters? Who are the potential starters? Who are the players that are graded with a chance to make and contribute? Then which ones are the potential backup contributors and roster players? Okay, and that comes with the numerical grade, a 5-4 to 5-0 on potential backups, 5-9 to 5-5 with a chance to make, 6-4 to 6-0 with a potential starter, 6-9 to 6-5 the immediate starter, 7-4 to 7-0 superstar ability. And and, and it explains in greater detail, it comes with a number, and then that number corresponds to a round. But there's this assumption that, oh, well, you know, this guy's first-rounder. Well, no, the guy may go in the first round. Whether somebody's a – there's no such thing as a first-rounder or a second-rounder or a third-rounder or a fourth-rounder or a fifth-rounder or a sixth-rounder or a seventh-rounder. No such thing. Okay, that's where they get drafted. Okay. Where they get drafted is where somebody chooses to select you for whatever reason. How the player is graded – is different and it corresponds to a round and that's the true key to knowing how to set up a draft board so we got all of that and i don't want to go into it a little bit more um you can check that out over at landryfootball.com great opportunity less than five dollars a month will get you access to not only the draft boards and the free agent boards and the notebooks every day of what's going on around the world of college football in the NFL, get it for the entire year. In season, out of season, everything, we've got it for you over there. So check it out. Also want to remind you about our great folks at 401k Generation. They bring you this podcast. They are responsible for you getting a chance to listen to this and I getting a chance to speak with you. So we certainly need your help in reaching out to them and, if nothing else, letting them know in this tough time that um, – you heard about them from us. Like to find out a little bit more about what they do. No commitment to come on board or anything like that. Just a way to say thank you. We'd certainly appreciate it. I know they would as well. They're licensed in all 50 states. So they can give you advice. Hey, what an opportunity to speak with someone, get a little bit of advice um, at one 888 Seven nine. That's one eight six six nine nine eight five eight seven nine. Call or text uh, today, and they can give you a first opinion, a second opinion, an opinion that can help maybe ease and calm your concerns in this very very volatile and frustrating times uh, in the uh, financial state that we find ourselves in. You got a business you want to promote? We can absolutely help you do that. Um, Send us, uh, drop us a line at contact Chris over at LandryFootball.com, and we can do that. Make sure you're listening to this show, and flip on over to listen to the Pro Football Podcast for all the latest there. And you can do that by signing up for Landry Football's conference call. Okay, Is there any uh, updates nationally? I know there's certainly some talk, just talk, but I can tell you it mirrors the talk that I've had from some college administrators. Mostly my work now is focused on the draft and people in the pro game and um, uh, administrators there. But in the college end, they're looking at and hoping and following the real-world medical issue, health issue, and trying to figure out if they can institute some sort of sort of mini camps or summer practices to make up for lost practices, and that is absolutely um, what they're looking to do. We're dealing with um, unusual circumstances, and it causes it's cause for um, a look at things a little bit differently. Here's the issue and the complication that goes along with it. So it seems very simple. Ah, you got 15 practices. Let's tack on 15 practices to the beginning of summer camp. Well, let's just say that we'll get to the point, hopefully, God willing, that we can do that. You don't want to be tacking 15 practices necessarily in the front end 
butt up against the start of fall practice. It's, it's you're going to wear down your team. The other thing is you know, you've got to you've got to bring along your team at a, and pace it a little bit because many of them are in a position where they're not able to work out. They don't have any facilities to go to at their high schools or at the Y or you know this is not an NBA player or an NFL player that may have their own state-of-the-art gym that they can work out in every day. I'm sure players are active and maybe doing some things. Maybe they have access to some weights. Um, sure, they're doing cardiovascular work. Maybe they have an exercise bike. Maybe they're walking, jogging. I think a lot of that's going on. But what I think you're seeing right now is a lot of people in football, these conditioning coaches, which remember, they would have been spending most of this offseason in the condition offseason conditioning program. You better believe that when things were dispersed and since then, you've got everybody's contact information and you're giving some real-life uh, program to follow individually. This is, you know, they already know basically because what they are asked to do at the school, hey, this is these are the things that you need to be doing from a nutrition standpoint. Uh, this is what you need to do from a cardiovascular standpoint. They can all go jog. They can all do certain things from a cardiovascular standpoint, but you may not have the, the benefits of the weight training. So getting guys in a position to come back and perform uh, just – you know, immediately when they come back is going to have to be a gradual um, re-indoctrination process. Ideally, you'd like to have some sort of summer mini camp, if you could, like in June, to where you could maybe have 15 practices, where you can um, turn around and give them a few weeks off before you start fall practice. Uh, but to put just 15 practices on the start of the front end is not ideal because I don't think you're going to be able to use all of them. I think what you'd have to do is you'd have to have it spread out to where maybe you can practice every other day and do things because it's just going to be too taxing to get ready for the season physically and I think more susceptible to injuries. So, we don't know what can be done. We don't know the time frame of when we're going to be able to fit all of this in, if at all. We don't know for certain that we're – there are a lot of people that are fearful we may not even have a season. Let's just kind of go to the step of, look, if we have a season, things get cleared up enough where we can take that step forward – when can we do it? And certainly May or June would be a lot better than in July where it is right up against the start of fall practice in August. But we're wanting to give a little bit of a perspective to that, an understanding behind the scenes, but we don't really know. We don't even know what options are going to be available, if any, because until we know, until we learn more about what's going on, until – you know, people are allowed to go back on campus. How are the heck are you going to get together for team activity? You just, you're not. So I think we need to follow what goes on in the other sports right now. Keep an eye out on the NBA and baseball because those are the ones that are ready to get back to finishing their season uh, or in the case of NBA finish their season, start their season in baseball. And when that starts to happen – then that's an indication and people start going to work and things get, you know, uh, adjusted there and you can get around more than 10 people. Then you start to have some decisions based upon what you can do on campus because the last thing that's going to happen is to take any chances with young people on a campus and have put them in a harm's way. That's going to be the last people that get at risk in that. So keep that in mind as we go forward. Some tragic news over at Washington State, and quite frankly don't know the details and the circumstances around it, but Bryce Beekman, who was a former junior college recruit and 13-game starter with Washington State last year, uh, really good defender, 
uh, passed away. Um, all I know is a really good player. Um, if you remember, um, Tyler Halinski, um, the quarterback, this program suffered through his death and suicide. So Bleakman, obviously, um, we don't know what happened. I, again, there's no connection we, we, that we know of to the coronavirus. Um, I don't know that there is or isn't. Don't know anything about that. Just 22 years old. Tragically, we lost him. Um, want to get into some transfer news, and we'll work our way towards uh, draft evaluations. But um, some transfer news around the Big 12 this past week. We'll kind of give a little bit of a recap what's going on, the transfer news, the recruiting news, uh, and beyond. And then, again, some draft news. Former Kansas Redshirt Jr. receiver Quan Hampton is transferred to Northern Iowa. On March 4th, he became uh, the second Jayhawk to transfer to Northern Iowa. Following in the footsteps of Dom Williams, redshirt sophomore Hampton appeared in just seven games, caught two passes for 19 yards and a touchdown. He'll be eligible to play immediately at Northern Iowa. Two seasons of eligibility remaining. Um, also former Iowa State redshirt sophomore kicker, Braden Narvison is transferred to San Diego. That's not San Diego State, but University of San Diego. Redshirted um, in the 2018 season, appeared in just four games for the Cyclones, made two of four kicks for Iowa State before entering the transfer portal. Uh, it's going to be eligible to play immediately for the Toreros of San Diego State. Got three years of eligibility left. And transferring, we've talked about him on a couple of other podcasts. Uh, remember the name, redshirt senior offensive line, Keldrick Wilson. Good-looking tackle that is played some uh, effectively at Hampton, is got scheduled trips or, excuse me, had scheduled trips that now are on hold due to the coronavirus to Indiana and West Virginia. He's 6'5", 300 pounds. He did visit Georgia State and Liberty before the face-to-face recruiting was shut down. Um, so we'll see how um, how – eventually if they'll have a scholarship for him at West Virginia. Now, Illinois is also likely going to get a visit for the young man who started at right tackle and is capable of coming in and, and starting at Indiana and West Virginia at the right tackle spot, at least competing for that spot. Some recruiting news. Uh, yesterday, uncommitted five-star guard Bryce Foster Narratives, top five lists, a lot of recruits are doing that now. They're looking at their recruiting list and saying, not going to get a whole lot of visits in. So I better get serious about where I'm at least considering, and they're taking their dozen schools or so and and getting their list of about five down. Bryce Foster is a really good player, one of the top ten players in the 2021 class. Um his top five list is LSU, A&M, Oregon, and the Longhorns, and the Sooners. So he's got two Big 12 schools on the list, 6'5", 320. He did, has taken multiple visits to Oklahoma, uh, Texas A&M and Texas, before the coronavirus pandemic shut down recruiting. Uh, and I think it's going to come down to the two Texas schools and the Sooners. And uh, we'll see um, the top five lists as large as the same that he was working with last summer. Uh, It's just putting, subbing Oregon for Stanford. So Stanford didn't make his five, Oregon is in. But I do think that Oregon and LSU are schools he's interested in, but probably would put in the order, would would likely be Oklahoma, A&M, and Texas probably would rank them in that order in terms of the likelihood for uh, one of the best, if not the best guard in the country, the class of 2021. Uncommitted four-star defensive back Jalen Davies revealed his top seven, and that includes uh, Texas, along with Alabama, Arizona State, who's getting in on a lot of guys, Ohio State, and then, of course, UCLA. I shouldn't say, of course, 
uh, but UCLA, USC, Washington. Uh, the reason I said, of course, is a misstatement, but he's a West Coast guy. He's from Modern Day High School. You're very familiar with the school, I know, but UCLA, USC, Washington, Arizona State, those are the out west, but the Alabama, Ohio State, Texas <coughs> are the schools outside the region uh, for the defensive. Six foot, 165, and uh, we'll see where things develop. He's got to take the ACT in June, again, uh, assuming everything's on plan there and in his visits. We've mentioned uh, Caleb Williams, the five-star uh, quarterback. His a top five of Clemson, LSU, Maryland, Penn State, and Oklahoma took his official visit to Oklahoma in early March before the, the visit shutdowns uh, came about. So we'll see. We've talked about him as somebody that Maryland uh, really is in the mix for but probably needs. He's from Gonzaga Prep in Washington, D.C. So Maryland, Penn State has a lot of uh, pressure to keep a player of that ilk um, in that region. And, of course, Clemson's been so good nationally, but certainly up and down that Atlantic seaboard area. They're so, so strong. LSU's a player. Oklahoma's in it, obviously, with their ability uh, to get so much out of quarterbacks uh, in um, in recent years. Houston received a verbal commitment from three-star cornerback Mark Wilson. He decided that on Sunday he picked Houston over Baylor and Kansas and Vanderbilt. So good get for Dana Hogelson and his staff. Kansas getting a verbal from three-star running back Devin Neal. 5'11", 190, chose Kansas over Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State. Two-sport athlete, good baseball player, big play guy. Um, is the, um, the best prospect, I think, by far that Kansas has committed to. Maybe a little bit better than a three-star guy, I think. Um, looks like uh, a guy that's uh, got a little bit more playmaking ability than he does. Uh, uncommitted four-star, cornerback D.J. Harvey has released his top eight. Arizona State, Cal, LSU, Oregon, Kansas, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, and USC. Go, Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, Kansas being in this one. He's 5'10", 166. He's from Chadsworth, California. Um, it's not necessarily his fire of finalists at this point, but they're leaders. Um, but, you know, if you were to look and say, all right, Arizona State, up-and-coming program, Cal certainly has a lot of academic merit. You know LSU and Oregon are big-time programs. Notre Dame, big-time program. Virginia Tech struggling. USC, we know, but... Kansas is the school that looks like, you know, wow, does it really fit? Chedgeworth, California native. Um, so congrats to have those type of pro, uh, uh, that type of player, considering you is one of the top um, 300 overall prospects in the 2021 class. We'll keep you up to date. And finally, on the recruiting front this past week, uncommitted four-star quarterback Garrett Nussmeyer still plans on making his pledge April 18th. Um, it looks like LSU's the favorite, um, strong favorite. He's from Flower Mound, Texas. But uh, Texas and Texas A&M um, would, I think he'd like to visit there. But um, if he doesn't, maybe even if he does commit, he still may make visits. But at this point, I think he's looking to settle up on a school, and if that's the case, it's a strong LSU lean without having to even visit the other schools. Arizona State and Miami are other schools that he's very much uh, interested in at this point. Coaching news, Oklahoma's going to hire UCLA GA Connor McQueen to serve as an offensive analyst. He played ball at A&M from 2012 to 16. He was the primary holder on kicks during the final two years. He's been with UCLA the past couple of years, moving up the ladder from graduate assistant to offensive analyst now. Wouldn't be surprised to see him um, uh, get a position coach down the road. Really good, bright young coach. So congrats to Connor, and uh, certainly a good move for Lincoln Riley and his staff. Outside the conference in the region somewhat, Air Force hired Jonathan uh, Heimball to serve as a tight end coach. 
He was coaching the offensive line under Mark Tressman for the uh, Tampa Bay Vipers of the XFL, longtime assistant coach, stints at San Diego State, Nevada, and UNLV, coached offensive line for the Toronto Argonauts of the CFL, now going to assist Troy Calhoun when um, when they get back to cases over at um, at Air Force. Um, some thoughts before I get into some draft information. How about some guys that are coming back? Puka Williams. Talked a lot of Kansas today. Well-deserved. Um, when you break him down on tape, <clears throat> he had 49% force missed tackles versus eight or more defenders in the box. That's really impressive. Outstanding back, 5'10", 170 pounds, small, slippery little guy, um, bounces around like a pinball, gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, but got a lot of shake. Um, it's hard to get a good read on him, and he's forced a lot of missed tackles. Um, he's in the category of uh, Zach Moss and Travis Etienne. Zach Moss is coming out next month draft. Travis Etienne's returning. But in terms of making people miss, he's one of the best in the country. Um, we talked a little bit about some good recruiting news for Houston. Um, as they were doing their offseason work in late February, uh, at Houston, they pretty much had settled on the fact that um, with Derek King moving on, um, that they've got their quarterback. And uh, certainly um, they really like Clayton Toon. Um, 6'3", he's the most experienced guy that they have returning. He appeared in just seven games last year, completing 60% of his passes. A lot of high percentage passes in that offense. Threw for 1,533 yards, 11 touchdowns, 9 picks. Um, we'll see if he can do a better job protecting the football. But that's where they're headed, at, at least with um, life beyond Derek, Derek King. Um, let's get into some film room nuggets, shall we, on draft prospects. And we're going to end it up with Blaylock and and, uh, and Kenneth Murray. But uh, I've talked a lot about Jalen Rieger of TCU. Uh, what a big play guy is, the speed, the reliable hands. Um, he's very physical. He's got a little bit of the Steve Smith attitude and toughness. Not He's bigger than Steve Smith, but he's a guy that is not real big, but somebody that's in the 5'10", turn it five pound range ish you don't think he's going to be that effective in contested catches and he's really good um he's got a lot of explosiveness playmaking ability um very electric with the ball in his hands i, I you know uh check out the um the draft board where i have him ranked where his value is where he could possibly uh, be available in this year's draft for a team. So it's a deep group, so you can see where his grade value is and maybe how that might stack up. But really good-looking player, um, and uh, I think has a chance to be uh, someone that really maybe surprises some people that are not as familiar with him. His teammate, <clears throat> Siwu Olanula, is a guy that can play running back uh, at the next level, he is a fullback, big back guy. He's six three, two thirty two. He's um, got a unique combination of size and speed. He's right now a big back. Um, he doesn't have great run vision and not real patient as a runner, and doesn't have real good block understanding. But he. I think can trim down, become a little bit better runner. I'd like to see him become a little bit more of a factor as a blocker and can be more of a runner type guy. Um, I don't, I don't like the consistency or lack of consistency of effort and pass protection. Um, 
but I think is a guy that is going to have to hit it on special teams and be maybe the fourth running back. I don't see him necessarily being a three right away, but could develop into one as a third back. Um, been asked a lot about C.D. Lamb. How high is he going to go? Well, he's going in the first round. Got a first-round grade on him. Where exactly? Don't know. Well, there's a lot of possibilities. You know, um, would somebody like a Dallas or the Niners had a guy like that? Um, might be interested to see um, where he might go. Really good player. I think he, Judy, and Ruggs are special elite. I think Justin Jefferson's in that same category. Really, really uh, an impact receiver. You know, somebody like Houston that they don't think he's going to last that long. But uh, you lose a – or you trade a DeAndre Hopkins, uh, replacing it with a guy like this. One of these receivers certainly would make some sense. Um, going back to TCU, Lucas Nang – is the tackle is really fun to watch. He's six six three fifteen. He only appeared in seven games last year due to a hip injury. And I thought he was one of the top tackles in the Big 12, in the country, and certainly in the Big 12 in 2018. Um, I think I had him second team all-conference in 18. And he's got really good feet to play at the next level. He's got good awareness and instincts in pass pro. Um, he um, he gets a little open a little early in his pass set, but he's got the natural feet to protect the edge. Um, he's, he's a natural build and I think could go pretty high as well. We'll see. Um, and you kind of see where I've got them stacked up on the offensive line group. But um, not a lot of guys that have the natural ability to be what we call natural left tackle feet, and he's got it. Been asked a lot about where Jalen Hurts is going to end up. Don't know. I know there are teams that are intrigued by him. I know the Raiders and John Gruden like him. Uh, developmental guy. Going to be interesting how high. Um, uh See where I got him stacked up on the board uh, and the, on the um, on the draft board, and certainly we'll be giving the complete scouting report on him. But very, very intriguing, you know, player career, uh, interesting dynamic with Jalen. Just a really good team guy, and we'll see how far he can take his game as a passer. That's going to be the key. Um, guys that. Um, to me, uh, Oklahoma, we're going to talk a little bit about Kenneth Murray in a bit. Um, Denzel Mims, when you look at the receivers in this draft, you got C.D. Lambs, you got Ruggs, you've got uh, Judy, you've got Justin Jefferson, you've got Denzel Mims, you've got Jalen Rager, who I just mentioned. Uh, Mims is um, really good. He's a... Um, He's 6'3", 207. He's had a little bit of trouble with press coverage, but, boy, this guy's got ability to get downfield and attack you. His uh, teammate, Chris Miller, on the defensive side, uh, boy, he's very aggressive. One of the biggest hitters in the country. Second all Big 12. Very aggressive, sometimes reckless. But, boy, he, he'll hit you. Um West Virginia tackle Colton McKivitz is another guy that reminds me a little bit of the Falcons' Caleb McGarry who came out last year, 6'6", 306. Um, limited athletically, below average arm length, so I'll worry about him at tackle and might have to move into guard at some point. Um, a little bit tight in the lower body, doesn't bend naturally, may have a hard time driving guys off. Um at the pro level. James Lynch, the Baylor defensive lineman, not real flashy. Um, but I think an underrated player. A little bit heavy for the traditional defensive end. Not quite what you're looking for at defensive tackle. So he's a bit of a tweener with good upper body power. Tough demeanor. Um, so those are some thoughts on 
number of guys. We can get to to Murray in a second. Um, a guy that's coming back, Oklahoma receiver Tylen Wallace. Uh, really one of the better receivers coming back uh, in this um, 2021 class of wideouts for college football. Uh, it's not as deep as and great at the top as this past year, but it's really a good one. Six feet, 190. Um, and he really did a good job of expanding his route tree and getting deep on the goal rock, create run-after-catch opportunities on the screens, um, a guy that's ready to take that next step. Is he going to be C.D. Lamb? Not sure that I'm ready to go there, but the guy can be pretty good. The guy can be pretty darn good. Let's talk a little bit about a couple of guys. One, Kenneth Murray. We'll talk a little bit about Kenneth since he's on my mind and people have asked me kind of where is he going to go and what are the possibilities. Um, uh, he's a speed guy, can really fly sideline to sideline. Um, you know, we're going to get into some of the issues in coverage, uh, but very athletic, 38-inch vertical, big broad jump guy. So let's get into it. Three-star recruit. In the 17 recruiting class, chose Oklahoma over Baylor, Texas, Michigan. Played in all 11 positions, all 11 positions at one point on the defensive side of the ball in high school. Love, fell in love with the middle linebacker position. He loved being the smart guy on the field and um, putting guys in a position. Loved that. Grew into it. Embraced it. Very good. Immediately stepped into a starting role on Oklahoma's defense as a true freshman in 2017, but struggled out of the gate. He wasn't really a providing consistent support in the run game, nor in coverage. Missed too many tackles, 17 on the season. He ended up that freshman campaign with just grading out over 50% from an assignment standpoint. Things got a little bit better as a sophomore, and he finished the year with close to 65% grayed out uh, or better as a run defender, tackler, pass rusher, and in coverage. In 19, um, took another step. He recorded um, over 80% grade in coverage assignment-wise, improving his read and react skills, cutting down on some of his missed tackles. Um, taking a look at him um, in terms of his combine numbers he was uh, 6024 241 9 and 4 in inch hands 32 and 6 8 inch arms which gives him an 80 inch wingspan ran 452 262 in the 20 156 in the 10 21 in the bench 38 inch vertical as i mentioned 10 9 broad jump um got to really know how to play this guy He's not what you'd call the most versatile guy. He's a headhunter in the middle of the field. He's going to limit yards after catch. He's going to make plays in the opposing backfield. Um, I think the real key for him and his value, he's got to be more than a two-down linebacker. His limited value if he can't be a factor on third downs. If you're looking for a great pure cover guy, he hasn't proven that he can do that. As I mentioned, he graded out better in coverage this past year. He's still um, not all that good. He doesn't have great feel for zone coverage. You rarely see him break on passes with any sort of anticipation. Uh, he'll lose guys running behind him. Um, now, he can single-handedly shut down a screen game or the underneath stuff. So, you know, he can – I think you can get him into deep drops and then, then you allow him to flow and make plays like he does in the run alignment. Man, he's he's really effective, but really struggles in coverage. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Michael Kendricks coming out of Cal a few years ago, Stephon Anthony coming out of Clemson. 
He closes to the fat very, flat very quickly. Uh, really does a good job limiting the run after the catch. Sideline to sideline range can run with wideouts. Um, shot out of a cannon when playing forward. I mean, he's one of the more explosive linebackers in the country. Um, you know, uh, I thought he began to get better as the season developed. Processing, that's going to be his key. If he can continue the rate of improvement in processing, uh, I think he can become a next-level player. He didn't have any ball production over his career, only four PBUs in three years. He's consistently is all over the place. Game to game can look like a different player, uh, can be taken out of certain games, a step slow reacting in coverage. Uh, he'll be in perfect position and still give up a catch. Uh, attack angles in space are poor. He'll overrun plays at times, um, and he just doesn't move. He doesn't do a good job of opening his hips and getting depth and width at the same time. Um, he's, he he really struggles to run down the seam, but, man, can this guy run and attack. Um, he's played 99 games alignments, uh, excuse me, in the box, lined up 120 times on the defensive line and 39 times in the slot. Intriguing guy. think he's going uh, going to end up with that 6-4 grade on him. You can find out what that means, kind of where that puts him. Still think he's going to be a really good player, but the key to him to being a great player is his development and coverage. I think that's the whole key for him. Ross Blaylock is an interesting lad. Um, Ross is a very impressive-looking defensive tackle from TCU. 60312 9-6-8-inch hands, 32-3-8-inch arms, 78-6-inch wingspan, 49040, 28-220, 17-0-10, 29-vertical, 8-11 broad jump, 4-6-7 short shuttle, Seven 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 three cone was <clears throat> grew up in a basketball family. His dad, Jimmy Blaylock, played for the Texas Longhorns basketball team, and moved on to play for the Harlem Globetrotters before um, continuing his career as uh, now he's the head coach of the Globetrotters. Now six four three twenty six. Ross kind of grew out of the basketball, literally and figuratively. Um, consensus four-star recruit. A&M, Alabama, LSU recruited him hard, among others. Those were his finalists out of Elkins High School. And um, ended up going to TCU, committed at that Army All-Star game. 56 tackles, 10 for a loss in his final high school season. He's just two full seasons of playing at TCU. Best football's ahead of him. He he missed all of 18 with an injury. Relatively average 2017 season. You know, he graded under 70%, but really improved coming back in 19 from the injury. Um, graded over 80%, uh, one of the best in the country, I thought, last year. Run defense was top ten, uh, and and we'll get into a little bit how the scheme defines some of his productivity, as it does in a lot of players. Um, as a pass rusher, he was above average for the position. Still has some improvement to do. He is in a defensive scheme that has an emphasis on using a lot of stunts, and that's where a lot of the production came from. His win rate was. Um, 3% higher on stunts, and his pressure rate was under 10% when they didn't execute a stunt. So it's, you know, his ability to win and create pass rush on his own is a little bit different than having to be schemed. So he's got a lot of experience in that, which is good. Uh, but the guy's got top-tier athleticism, particularly for an interior lineman. Um, his little technical proficiency, he may not be hitting the ground running yet, but, man, this guy's good. This guy may be like 
one of the best coming out of this draft good in a couple of years. Um, look, he's over 300 pounds. I just said it. He's that big and moves like somebody that's 60, 70 pounds lighter than that. In Gary Patterson's defensive scheme, it tasked their linemen with a lot of stunts, a lot of slanting on nearly every snap. And um, his first step was really good. Um, but it makes it a little bit difficult and challenging to evaluate. You rarely early, uh, ever see him go one-on-one um, with any sort of freedom to make a play. Okay, You have to understand that that's going to affect his overall numbers and his production. But the guy can still make plays. He reminds me a lot of Javon Hargrave coming out of South Carolina a few years ago. Uh, he's got a little Gerald McCoy in him, too. This guy's best football's ahead of him. He is unbelievably agile. He is a nightmare for guards to handle and will be going forward. Um, trying to slide and redirect against him, particularly if you're able to slant him, good luck, man. I mean, it's it's this guy's got rare flexibility for a big man. Can play low. Um he can fly. I mean, this guy can chase and run plays down in the run game. Uh, he shoots his hands in the run game very well. He locks out and um, really shows a lot of strength. High motor. I mean, he just he is not content to stay blocked. I mean, he's actively working now. Um, you know, he's he doesn't have good pass rush technique. No pass rush moves to speak of. He's got a little bit of a swim and a bull, but they're not well-defined. That's okay. You can develop that. Reckless a little bit how he plays. Um, he overruns some quarterbacks and receivers on screen. Look, everything that is a negative are coachable, and guy's smart, guy works hard. This is the type of guy that – when you look at him three years from now with with uh, development, might be the best defensive tackle in this draft. And I don't think there's any doubt that Kinlaw, assuming he checks out medically, and Derek Brown are going to go higher than him. But this guy has first-round ability, and if he had a, more time to develop and perhaps another year, this guy would have been a top-five pick in next year's draft. Lined up. 446 snaps in the B gap, 114 in the A gap, eight over the tackle, one outside the tackle, one off the ball. I think one of the more underheralded players in this draft, Ross Blaylock, TCU. Hey, folks, appreciate you joining us. A reminder of a couple of things. You want to get more detailed information on these draft prospects, on players that are coming out of the high school game into your college program, what's going on in the college programs, even in this quiet time of no spring. We got it all for you at LandryFootball.com. We've also got tons of draft preparation, tons of free agent information on the college side in our notebooks. This is just a taste of what you can get. You can get a lot more of it, more detail than we can go to in this podcast. Uh, we Got a lot more of that over at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of our scouting season offer. It's the best one we've ever had. It'll get you information all year long, seven days a week, 12 months a year. We got it for you at LandryFootball.com. So whether the college game, the pro game, (coughs) excuse me, recruiting, the draft, free agency, personnel, coaching, we got it all for you over at LandryFootball.com. So take advantage of it. Also, make sure that you flip it on over to listen to the pro podcast. Make sure that you're listening to the college podcast each and every day. Oh, yes, we've got a label each day for each conference. However, we talk about the college game overall each and every day as warranted, and then we kind of recap the conference uh, once a week. Uh, with a different conference on every day. So make sure that you check us out. Sign up under Landry Football's conference call, and you get the pro podcast and the college podcast. We've got it all for you. And make sure that you touch base with our great folks at 401k Generation. They are the experts in financial planning and money management. They're licensed in all 50 states. They're responsible for bringing you this podcast. We appreciate it if you could join them today. 
We love having you, and uh, we love having them a part of our family. And, uh, again, you can reach them, reach out to them, and tell them that you heard about them from us, and you'd just like to see what they're all about. They would appreciate hearing from you. Uh, they're licensed, again, in all 50 states, and you can reach them by phone or text at 1-866-998-5879. Got a question that you want me to address? Go to LandryFootball.com, hit Contact Chris, and we'll address it to you right there. Um, or, you know, we'll answer it here on this podcast. Uh, if you um, got a business or something that you'd like us to promote, um, reach out to us. Drop us a line again. Contact Chris at LandryFootball.com, and we will absolutely get back to you. We appreciate you joining us. Always great to visit, talk football with you. Be sure to join us again on the pro side to listen to all the latest updates uh, going on in the NFL. And make sure that you join us tomorrow for another edition of Landry Football's Conference Call, where it'll be Pac-12 football and beyond. We'll recap the week that was in the Pac-12 recruiting, transfer, any coaching news, uh, certainly draft information, draft prospects, but also Anything at the top around the world of college football, we'll be addressing it on the top of the show. So make sure that you join us there tomorrow for that and spread the word about what we're doing here. We appreciate you helping us grow. We appreciate your loyalty, and we're here to um, entertain you in this very difficult time, maybe take you off the real-world problems that we're having. So appreciate you. God bless you. Be safe out there. Talk to you tomorrow. Talk to you on the Pro Football Show in just a bit. Thank you so much, everybody. Talk to you next time.